June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode takes the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customized paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Breaking news tonight, deadliest day on record. The death toll is staggering. More than 2,000 killed in one day. Confirmed cases in New York State alone eclipse every country on Earth. Tonight, the small ray of hope. A new model shows U.S. deaths may be far less than previously projected. But there's this warning. It's not a time to get complacent. It's not a time to do anything different than we have been doing. The government considering new guidelines to get workers in critical positions back on the job. But who qualifies? And when? Dropping out, Bernie Sanders ends his presidential campaign. So why is the one-time frontrunner keeping his name on the ballot? And will he help Democrats unite around Joe Biden? Fertility treatments on hold. Women heartbroken as the coronavirus outbreak prevents them from getting needed treatment to start a family. What you need to know if you're trying to conceive. Morning, a legend. Who will for someone to say hello? He was called the Mark Twain of American songwriting. Tonight, we remember folk legend John Prine, who lost his life to COVID-19. And education on parade. With their classrooms closed, we'll introduce you to some creative teachers who found more than a passing way to stay connected with their students. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We begin with breaking news tonight because the death toll from the pandemic continues to rise, even as there are signs that the spread of the virus is slowing. 
It is an especially cruel contradiction for those who have lost loved ones. In the epicenter of the crisis, New York State, 779 people have died in just the past 24 hours. That is yet another record. And the state now has more confirmed cases than every country outside of the U.S. And as we come on the air, coronavirus cases nationwide have passed 400,000, with more than 14 thousand deaths. And yet there is that evidence that the curve is flattening. The number of patients being admitted to hospitals in some areas is slowing and some models show the crisis may reach its peak sooner than thought. Tonight, the CDC is working on new guidelines to get some Americans back to work under certain conditions. And although the governor of New York warned today, it is still too early to let our guard down. There's a lot of news to get to our to tonight, and our team is covering every angle. Mola Lenghi leads off our coverage in New York City. Mola. Well, Nora, hospitals like Elmhurst here, which has been at the center of this crisis, are still anticipating that peak in deaths. Health officials expect that to happen. They're predicting uh, by this weekend nationwide. But, Nora, tonight, the hope that we are seeing in some new numbers, that is mixed with a lot of pain. Another day, another record. Deaths hitting a new high in New York. But a hopeful sign that the curve is flattening as COVID hospitalizations have leveled off three straight days. That curve is purely a function of what we do day in and day out. If we stop what we are doing, you will see that curve change. On the front lines, the fight to save patients continues at great cost. New York EMS Lieutenant Antonio Kionis just finished working 80 hours in five days, every night sleeping at the station, away from his wife and two kids. It's the first time I had to do that, to be away from them for so long. My family is my life, so it is uh, extremely difficult to be away from them and then to not know if I'm bringing them, uh, exposing them to something. Pam Tavarone contracted the virus on the job as an ICU nurse in New Jersey. She says the work is as emotional as it is physical. We don't have time to drink. We don't want to take our masks off to drink because we're afraid to. With hospital visitations limited, New York cardiologist Evelina Graver is also acting as an emotional lifeline for families. Here, helping her 84-year-old patient FaceTime his daughter for the first time since he was intubated. To tell them the fact that we no longer can provide the critical care that your family member may need. I'm not God, I'm far from God. Um, I'm just very limited, limited in resources. In the longer term, projected U.S. death toll is now 60,000, down from 93,000 just a week ago, due in part to the success of social distancing. Today, New York's governor directed flags to be flown at half staff in honor of those who died, including Wendy Hu, a real estate agent from Brooklyn, described by friends as brilliant, witty, and caring. Among the victims in New Orleans were four members of the Franklin family, 86-year-old Antoinette and her three sons, Herman, Timothy, Anthony, died within days of each other. Well, New Orleans is just one of the concerning hotspots nationwide. This evening, we're also hearing about one of the largest cluster of cases in the country at one of the largest prisons in the country, Cook County Jail in Chicago, where more than 300 inmates and staff have tested positive. Nora. All right, Mola, thank you. Tomorrow, we will get a better idea of just how many Americans lost their jobs because of this pandemic. 
And if being laid off isn't enough to deal with, many of those people are facing hurdles to even apply for unemployment benefits. Manuel Bohorquez is in Miami tonight with that story. Manuel? Well, Nora, a national real estate group estimates nearly a third of Americans did not pay any of their April rent during the first week of the month, an indication that as people wait for those federal stimulus checks, state unemployment payments are also badly needed. There's more order today, but the desperation is the same as it was yesterday in the Miami suburb of Hialeah, where people clamored for paper applications after the state's unemployment website crashed. More distribution points opened up this morning for people like David Guerrero, who used to work at a restaurant. The system crashed and now we have papers to fill out, you know. If it goes out any longer, I mean, people are stressing on money. We, you know, bills are piling up, um, but this is a start. More than half a million Floridians applied for unemployment in March. That's more than applied all of last year. I don't have money. I need money. Critics warned the state's unemployment system was inadequate even before the pandemic. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says staff has been added and fixes made, but blames an unprecedented demand for the backlog. I want the people that are applying to get their benefits as soon as possible because these federal benefits, are, they're not going to be here tomorrow. Beyond the need for unemployment checks, people are stressing the system. These food lines in Texas resemble the many that have grown across the country this week, like this one in Hollywood, Florida. Florida has one of the lowest weekly unemployment payments in the country, and they only last up to 12 weeks. Most states offer more than double that. Nora. All right, Manny, thank you. We want to turn now to the 2020 campaign because Joe Biden is the presumptive nominee for the Democratic Party after Bernie Sanders ended his presidential campaign today. The one-time frontrunner told his supporters he couldn't win and didn't want his campaign to interfere as the nation fights the pandemic. Ed O'Keefe reports tonight from here in Washington. Ed. Nora, good evening. This chaotic Democratic campaign began with Senator Sanders on top. He even plowed ahead after a heart attack last fall. But he conceded today the coronavirus pandemic is one of the reasons he's getting out, and he was forced to make his remarks from home in Vermont alone with no supporters by his side. Senator Bernie Sanders admitted today that his path to victory is virtually impossible. If I believed we had a feasible path to the nomination, I would certainly continue the campaign. But it's just not there. Sanders trails Joe Biden by more than 300 delegates, but he said he's keeping his name on the ballot in states that have yet to hold primaries, hoping to force Democrats to adopt some of his more liberal views. That could complicate things for Biden, who today thanked Sanders and appealed directly to the senator's supporters. I hope you will join us, Biden said. You are more than welcome. You're needed. Sanders had seemed unstoppable, easily winning early contests. We won the New Hampshire primary. We won the Nevada caucus. But just before Super Tuesday, several candidates dropped out and endorsed Biden, catching Sanders off guard. Biden has never looked back as the pandemic's freeze on the campaign stopped any chances of a Bernie rebound. Recent polls give Biden a slight edge over President Trump nationwide and in key swing states. Just minutes after Sanders' announcement, the Trump campaign released this ad. They're more alike than you think. Trying to tie Biden more closely to Sanders. CBS News has learned that the Biden and Sanders campaigns have actually been working together for weeks to try to figure out which of the senator's policy proposals the former vice president might be able to adopt as a way to further unify the party. 
A senior Biden advisor tells us we can expect more on that in the near future. Nora. All right, Ed, thank you. Moments ago, President Trump said the CDC is set to announce new steps to make it easier for some people who have been exposed to coronavirus to return to work. The move comes as the president says the economy will reopen, quote, sooner than people think. Weijia Zhang is at the White House tonight. Weijia? Now, our President Trump said the CDC is working on the finishing touches of new recommendations that will be the first step to reopening the country, something he is eager to do. But tonight, the president also said we have to be on the downside of the slope of cases before that can happen. The CDC's new guidelines are aimed at getting critical infrastructure workers back on the job. We're getting much closer to getting our country back to the way it was. Even after potential exposure to COVID-19, people will be able to go back to work as long as they don't have any symptoms and continue to check their temperatures, wear masks, and practice social distancing. Before, they were advised to self-quarantine for 14 days. CBS News has learned the new recommendations apply to several groups, including first responders, food workers, critical manufacturing, and transportation employees. The new recommendations are being drafted as members of the Coronavirus Task Force urge caution against relaxing rules for the general public. You can start to see it making a difference, but we have to do even more right now because that will predict where we are two or three weeks from now. Today, President Trump tweeted the country would open up sooner rather than later, and our economy will boom, perhaps like never before, echoing what he has said in recent days. We have to open our country up. We have to get go. We have to open our country up. No country was designed for this. Will you close it? Mr. Trump often talks about reopening the economy as if there's an on-off switch, but it will be up to the states and local governments to make those decisions. Tonight, even though health officials say there is promise in the new numbers that show social distancing is working, they warn that the next few weeks are critical and everyone must continue their efforts to mitigate. Nora. Critical indeed, Weijia. Thank you. And across the country tonight, we're seeing an alarming rise in coronavirus cases at nursing homes. More than half the nursing homes in New Jersey have at least one case. Three patients have died at a nursing home in Missouri. And at a home near Richmond, Virginia, 33 have died. Jonathan Vigliotti now on the emergency evacuation today of a nursing home in Southern California. This is the system at a breaking point. More than 80 nursing home residents evacuated in ambulances from a Riverside, California facility after 39 cases of coronavirus and after nurses, presumably fearing for their own safety, refused to show up. I think their fear uh, might have led them to make a decision that might not have been the right decision for their patient. The pictures are all too familiar in Washington State, New Jersey, Maryland, and a growing number in California. People are terrified. People just don't know what to do. It's very distressing to family members. It's a dilemma facing Wendy Ezes, whose 90-year-old mother is in a Southern California nursing home. I'm nervous for her getting ill, and I'm nervous in the fact that how am I supposed to help her? What is the best thing for me to do? She called her mom and allowed us to listen in. I think I'm as safe here as I could be anywhere. Now, L.A. County is telling families to consider moving their relatives out. And that's much easier said than done. But most people can't. That's why somebody's in the skilled nursing care in the first place. 
But now it's getting harder to find those willing to staff these centers. This from a volunteer nurse. I understand both sides. Somebody needs to take care of the people, but at the same time, you do have to go home to your family members. Listen, this is a tragedy all around. Patients can't see their families. The staff here says without protective gear, they're getting sick. Now this evacuation, one by one, these patients are being taken to other nursing homes in a process that could last the entire night. Nora. Oh, my goodness. Jonathan, thank you. The pandemic is also forcing many couples to put their dreams of having a baby on hold. New guidelines are urging some women undergoing fertility treatments to wait to prevent possible exposure to the virus. And as Nikki Batiste reports, many hopeful moms are now worried that they're running out of time to have a child. Adriana Kaiser Deanna and her husband have long hoped for a sibling for their daughter. But after six miscarriages and eight years of fertility treatments, she now has to wait to transfer her final two embryos, a procedure that had been planned for this week. I'm numb at this point. It's the norm with IVF that there's ups and downs, but you never get used to the phone call that says you can't move further, you can't move on. At age 44, she says time is everything. I'm very nervous because what if this takes another year? Now, the American Society for Reproductive Medicine advises fertility patients to suspend new treatments and consider canceling all embryo transfers. There are exceptions for urgent cases like cancer patients. I don't know what that time frame is going to look like in terms of when we can reinitiate care. Dr. Serene Sruji says one concern is the absence of data on how a fetus conceived by a mother with COVID-19 may be affected. Infertility in general is hard and feeling out of control is hard, but it, it doesn't make it any easier as we're delaying things. Adriana says her husband just lost his job and the couple is in debt after spending $80,000 trying to have a second child. How hopeful are you that you will become pregnant? I'm hoping for a miracle because I don't know if I can handle another failure. Nikki Batiste, CBS News, New York. We're hoping with her. This news today, Linda Tripp, a key figure in the impeachment of President Bill Clinton, died today, according to her former longtime lawyer. No word on a cause of death. Tripp made secret audio tapes that captured former White House intern Monica Lewinsky admitting to an affair with Clinton. Linda Tripp was 70 years old. And the coronavirus silenced a folk legend. Make me an angel to flash from Montgomery. John Prine died overnight after he beat cancer twice and was enjoying a late career encore. When I get to heaven, I'm going to shake God's hand. Prine grew up in Illinois and was a soldier and a mailman before his first album launched him into the songwriting stratosphere. Bruce Springsteen called Prine a true national treasure and songwriter for the ages. Prine called his beloved tunes like Hello in There and Sam Stone his faithful companions. His poems sung in a creaky voice were honest, intimate, funny, and boy, did they touch so many hearts. John Prine was 73 years wise, and we're going to miss him. A lot of teachers aren't happy that their students are cooped up at home, so they found a way to bring smiles to their faces. Here's Jamie Yukas. Call it a sign of the times. Okay, five minutes, guys, five minutes. Instead of writing lessons on chalkboards, 
Teachers are now writing messages on car doors. I brought Rags along. He's our little class mascot. This caravan of educators is parading through Fontana, California. Keep reading and learning, guys. We miss you. Where elementary school children line the streets hoping to spot their favorite teacher. She is a big inspiration and she's really kind to everybody. First grader Kaylee Gutierrez made a sign for hers. Tell me what you miss about school. My friends and my teacher and learning and stuff. More than 40 teachers from Oak Park Elementary participated in today's parade, but it's a trend that's been rolling into towns across the country. From Wisconsin to Texas, this special bond between teacher and pupil is on full display and passing the test of social distancing. They were all holding little banners and screaming our names and just like, wow, like they miss us as much as we miss them. And it was just really nice to see. I know it means something to them. What does it mean to you? Everything. <laughs> Proving a class act can bring hope to us all. Jamie Yukas, CBS News, Fontana, California. As they say, socially distant but not spiritually apart. And tomorrow we'll have the moments that have brought us together from the applause for healthcare workers to pictures that bring us hope. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. That is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. And for those who celebrate, happy Passover. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Good night. Always on the go? You can take CBS Mornings with you. Wake up to your daily dose of news and interviews on the CBS Mornings On The Go podcast. Listen to CBS Mornings On The Go ad-free on Wondery Plus. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.